Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Today, I'm joined online by a guest who is actually my cousin, Daniel Schneider. And Daniel, uh, I'm so excited to sit down and talk with you. Uh, this is a topic that is a little bit different. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about the whole universe of comics and superheroes and how that relates to the human spiritual journey that each of us is on. Um, and I was briefly explaining to you why I, uh, I, that idea popped into my head. But for our listeners, uh, our, Kelly and I and our kids have been going through all of the Marvel superhero movies, and we've been watching them in the order that online they tell you that you should be watching these movies in, that they happen in chronologically. So, of course, they didn't get released in the order that the stories happened. But now that so many of these films are out, they say, you know, if you really want to get how all of these stories interrelate and interconnect, watch them in this order. And we're, I don't know, maybe halfway through the, all of that series. And as, I, as we've been watching more, of the, more and more of these superhero movies with the kids, you know, the Avengers and the Spider-Man films and just all of them, um, it's, it, it's crazy to me how all of these stories have so many valuable lessons for us as humans and then just recently kelly and i went to the theater without the kids thank goodness and <laughs> watched dr strange multiverse of madness that just recently came out and uh, i say thank goodness because there was actually quite a few scenes that were pretty scary that i don't think our kids would be quite old enough for but that film in particular really got me thinking with how it's all about the multiverse and that that uh, concept of there being you know multiple parallel universes uh it it brought up so many existential questions for me that just don't have answers. And I thought, you know, the perfect person to talk with about this would be Daniel. So Daniel, welcome to Six Ways from Sunday. And thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thanks for having me here, Ben. I'm super happy to be here and super happy to chat with you today. Awesome. So um, often when I, when I introduce <laughs> guests on this show, I, I feel a little bit weird saying like, you know, this guest is x or y or z as though there's like this one label that really defines you and, and puts you in a box and i don't like feeling like that for myself like you know i'm ben wilson a filmmaker and of course we all wear different hats and play different roles and have different aspects of our life and the part of your life that brings you onto the show is that you just happen to know a ton about the world of comics so um not unlike superhero characters um, they sort of have this one thing that they're known for, right? And it's usually whatever their superpower is. So would you, I would say that your superpower is you, you are an artist, an incredibly talented one, um, and you've spent a lot of your life immersed in the world of comics. Why don't you sort of tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and what sort of got you into it? Why, what gave you that passion for, for the world of comics? Yeah, so um, I'm a comic book artist full-time. I work as an illustrator and comic book artist. And I've kind of always been into that. Like I grew up on my family farm, um, but kind of the, the thing I always say is that in our family, the loudest person gets the floor. Um, so whoever was the loudest would get to talk and get to tell stories. And I love telling stories, but I'm not the loudest person in my family. Um, much to the surprise of most people that know me. <clears throat> and so I, 
I like I realized at a very early age that uh, people would pay attention to me a lot more and my stories a lot more if I had a drawing to go along with them. And I always loved drawing and everything I drew had a story, um, no matter if I was drawing like a simple little character like Super Peanut or if I was drawing um, more complicated characters. Um, I always had stories in my head and I tell myself these stories. And then when someone would want to look at the picture, I would be telling them those stories. And so after a while, it just made sense that comics was where I wanted to be. Um, and so I think at uh, 16, yeah, it was 16. Cause as soon as I got my driver's license, I drove into the city, grabbed a bunch of comic books um, and started uh, just devouring them. I had been using the very early internet to like, learn a lot of the stories but I had never had my hands on comics um and then so from 16 till now 35 I'm I've been just steeped in comics and wow uh, getting to know the world getting to know the lores and getting to know the craft and that's been my life ever since it is such an enormous world isn't it I mean every I mean you look at any of these big cities that have like comic cons uh, comic con conventions and you've got everybody there from, you know, Star Trekkies and Star Wars fanatics to the Marvel Universe and the DC comics. And and it's there's so many genres and subgenres. And it's uh, I mean, you could you could absolutely and many people do make it their life. Right. So that's cool um, hearing how it became such a big part of your life. It's interesting that you didn't. Uh, it sounds like you didn't really get super into reading comics at like a really young age, you know, like that kind of grade one, grade two, grade three, when you're just kind of getting into literacy and a lot of kids will like be drawn to graphic novels and comics because they're visual, right? But mm -hmm. for you, it was kind of a later in your teen years, it sounds like. For superhero comics, it was. I read, like I devoured Calvin and Hobbes um, when I was little, like we had Calvin and Hobbes um in the house the far side in the house um those were my two big ones that I read all the time but okay. the big thing was the access living on a farm I didn't have access to like Spider-Man Superman um Batman I didn't have access to those comics and so instead I grew up watching Batman the animated series Superman the animated series and but still always wanted that comic got it okay cool so when it comes to those superheroes that you started getting into um, I, like, I know that you also draw a lot of comic art that is of your, from your own creation, right? Like from your own imagination, but you're also incredibly gifted at creating drawings of like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, um, Aquaman, it could be anyone. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of them. So mm -hmm. what is it that's unique about creating a character versus, um, Kind of replicating or doing maybe your own uh your own creating your own scene of an existing character for me the big thing and i made a big decision with my artwork a long time ago so if you go to uh comic book conventions um and you go to artist alley which is where most of the artists booth um you'll see lots of artists doing fan art like drawing spider-man their versions of spider-man wonder woman captain marvel all of those different characters and i made a decision i don't know how long ago probably at least uh probably 10 years ago to stop doing that at conventions um i i still will like if you come up to me and pay me you know 250 dollars and say draw me spider-man i will draw you a spider-man but i won't sell a print 
of them and I won't mm. uh I won't draw those characters unless basically someone is paying me to either the company or someone for a private commission. And one of the big reasons I did that is uh, I always had at my table original pieces of artwork or my original stories. And the ones like you would sell like say 20 of a Spider-Man drawing and that would feel great. But that, that one you sold out of the 20 that wasn't Spider-Man and was my own thing felt so much better because when someone buys, uh, when someone takes something of yours that you've contributed to someone else's story. So like if I contribute to Spider-Man and they go like, I love your Spider-Man, there's still a small part of me that's like, how much of you is there because of me and how much of you is there because of the legacy of this character. Right. Whereas when they come to me for my characters and my stories and my artwork, it's 100% me. And there's something so satisfying and so fulfilling, like just spiritually of uh, that just makes you feel complete when someone comes to you and is like, I'm here entirely for you. The story you've told speaks to me. The character you've created speaks to me. The artwork you've created really speaks to me. Like whatever I've created and whatever's come out of my head, when that reaches someone else that feels incredible um like i don't know if there's a better i'm sure there are but (laughs) it's one of my favorite feelings yeah that must be so validating (laughs) and to to start to build sort of your own fan base um as an artist so the creative process is very um individual and it's very different for every artist for every storyteller for every creator um, where do where do your stories and characters that are attached to those stories come from, or how do you draw them out of the ether and put them to paper? Um, for me, it really depends because as a comic book artist, um, I'm I'm the artist first. So a lot of the books that I work on, I'm just the the visual aspects. So I'm not typically writing the stories. Um, but, uh, when I am doing my own stories, uh, I pull from real life a lot because I love to tell just stories about what's happened to me. Um, so I pull from real life a lot and the, the stories that I have written, um, they can kind of come from anywhere. There's like, sorry about that. Um, there's three stories I have that just kind of like popped into existence over time. There's one that's been with me forever. Um, Uh, about Animal Dinosaur Man, who I have had with me since I was probably five years old. So it's a 30-year-old character, 30-year-old story, which has just, if you look at the evolution of it, it just kind of shows the evolution of an artist. Um, Like, I'd love to do a deep dive into that because I think it's an um, an interesting thing to look at to see how artists evolve because there's a certain part about us as artists where like you see something like, say, I really love Wonder Woman. And I then go like, I really want to create a Wonder Woman. And as a young kid, lots of times kids will create their hero. And like, as an adult, you can go like, that's basically a carbon copy of Wonder Woman. It's just now it's like wondrous woman. And (laughs) she just has instead of uh, yellow, red, and blues, it's like green, red, and blue. And that's about the only difference. But all art is 
stealing, basically. Um, like pretty much every story, they say that pretty much every story and every art has been done. So it's stealing and putting your own spin on things. And that story of Animal Dinosaur Man, you can see the progression um, throughout the storyline of like where I was at in my life and where I was at in my artistic career. It started off a very typical like superhero origin story. Like this is just insert generic superhero here. And then eventually over time, I started to fall in love with different characters and you could see those influences start to come in. And then I think it was probably around, <clears throat> um, oh, I don't know. I might've been like, 15 or something um when I really started to like uh get interested in fantasy and uh weirdly this was one of the few stories that tied into my own personal like spiritual journey um and then that radically changed the story and the story became something very personal to me um the characters became drastically different and it became its own unique thing and that's when I started to like learn about like creating personal stories. And I think most stories are on some level personal. And so each story that I've done ever since then has had some sort of personal aspect. And so I've had another story that was inspired by like, there was something I was watching on a wrestling documentary that I was like, that's an interesting idea. And that turned into a story. And then uh, I had another story where it was just me and my buddy just talking back and forth and being like, wouldn't this be funny? And then the next day contacting each other it would be really funny should we make that into a story and so they can come out of anywhere um but then as you if you decide to make like this your um professional career uh eventually you have to figure out how to how to make nothing out of something when someone gives you the idea so like i i just got a prompt for a comic and it was like here's your prompt it needs to be an action story um, needs to be an ongoing tale and it needs to hook people on the first episode. So it was like, I sat down for probably like a week trying to break down. I had like four different ideas that I was playing around with and you like, you pick and choose. And so lots of times um, the story just like slowly comes together through just hard work and sheer will of just following through all those processes that you right. usually follow through. Right. And sometimes yeah. working as part of a team, like you indicated, like you're an artist and you, um, sometimes your role is specifically to draw or to color. And um, I'm sure that there's so much more to the process than most of us would understand. I, I'm, I'm really curious, Danny, on your thoughts on why it's important that we have these stories and what it is about the world of comics that is uniquely positioned to add value to our lives as humans in a way that with that other storytelling um, formats maybe can't do quite as quite the same. Like there's so many different forms of media and storytelling, right? From mainstream media and news and social media and people sharing their thoughts and online and um, filmmaking and radio documentaries and print media and, and, just writing books and novels where you're imagining the story in your head as you're reading it off the page. But there's something about the idea of creating superheroes that are superhuman that I think adds something to our human experience. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think like so superheroes, I think are kind of a natural evolution of 
um, our old story tales, uh, like our old myths and fables and legends. Um, Cause like really at the end of the day, like um, superheroes are the natural evolution of the Greek gods um, of uh, like biblical tales, like Samson um, stuff like that. Like where you've just taken these human characters and then given them larger than life aspects to highlight and become basically extreme metaphors um, for different things. And <clears throat> comics, I think one of the reasons why they're, uniquely suited to these stories is if I want to tell a story of like um, big superheroes smashing crashing like big larger than life people battling it out and duking for good versus evil in like the sky with superpowers lasers and uh, super <laughs> flight going all over um, comics are uniquely positioned to be kind of the the best place to do that um, in a novel, it's just less fun to read about like, and then Superman flew through the air and punched a guy. And it's like, I'd really like to see that. Um, <laughs> but movies and television have been limited by just how many people need to get involved in order to create mm -hmm. them um, and how long the process is and right. how much money needs to go into it. Whereas a comic book, all it takes is myself and a pencil. If I have me a pencil and paper, I can create like vast insanely incredible stories visualize them and put them onto paper and tell you that story like i can tell you a story about a super uh, superhuman from another planet that comes to like be our inspiration and show us the way that we could be um i can show you stories about intergalactic civil war where billions upon billions of uh, superhuman soldiers are fighting in this like battle for humanity's soul and all it <laughs> takes is just me sitting down with a pencil and paper Isn't and that that's crazy? really at the end of the day what it takes like and it'll yeah. take a little bit more to print but yeah it's like the cost of telling that story is so much lower right and it's you so can accessible. show these incredible ideas and these visuals that really speak to us and like mm -hmm. draw us in that that's why i think comics have been suited for that and then yeah just the superhero story is our own reflection on things depending on who the superhero is like spider-man is the everyday man um it's just like this is who we are like most of us we look at what spider-man goes through he has problems with girls he has trouble meeting rent he has troubles at work with his boss and it's like who can't relate to that and then you have <clears throat> batman which is the character of just like how do you deal with tragedy and turn tragedy into something that can benefit others and does that tragedy eat you up inside like like can you get too consumed by holding on to something, some sort of trauma in your past. And then Superman, where you have a character that is the inspiration of like, he's not a character that anyone can really look at Superman and be like, oh yeah, I see myself in Superman. Superman is more the like, this is what I would want to be. Like, right. this is who I strive to Aspire be. Aspire to be, yeah. Yeah, and so each of these characters has those like, it's all simple storytelling things. It's just in superhero comics we've like dialed up their like their good aspects and bad aspects up to 11 right and so that just really appeals to some people like myself like i love storytelling but if you're like ah oh, this is just about a guy who has really tough tough time at work with his boss and i'm like yeah 
oh, did I mention he has laser eyes? Okay, now I'm in. Like, <laughs> so it almost, you kind of have to like sugarcoat stories for me sometimes. And so I think that's where superheroes uh, really, uh, really connect with people is oh, it's sure. the sugar-coated stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah, and you can, you can so easily see how they just grab the attention of children, especially, but um, and I, those those children turn into people like yourself that are 35 and still really really obsessed with comics because yeah. there's there's so much to them that we can draw inspiration from or learn from or just engage with for entertainment value at any age. Um, yeah. It was interesting what you were saying about just the um, how accessible it is as an art form and as a storytelling format. And I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Like when compared with things like the movies that, you know, that my family are, are watching through in that order of all the Marvel uh, series right now, the special effects are incredible. And you can, you can really make it look real that Captain Marvel is smashing through a spaceship and she's flying through the air and it, it looks real. When comics all started and superheroes started, and I don't know how far back it goes. Like you said, it really, it's just an extension of Greek mythology and biblical characters and ancient, ancient lore and um, myth. But if we look at, you know, your traditional you know, 1940s and 50s Superman and, and the like, um, at that time, the, the closest, like, the whole idea, the whole world of filmmaking was just kind of new. And they were just getting out of the world of black and white silent films and into color and so having a fan blowing superman's cape with and <laughs> making it look like he was flying that was about the best they could do compared yeah. with now just the limitlessness of computer graphic um animation and and super uh and and uh special effects and stuff that's possible so i could see where like back in the 40s and 50s uh not only was it kind of like well we you know there's no other way of telling these stories you got to just draw them but also yeah. they were they also sort of offered this um commentary on what was going on in the world in a lot of cases where you'd have something like the cold war and or things going on with russia and the, and those would work them their way into these comic stories or um captain america who was this soldier during world war ii right at one point and uh, it just seems like it's it's also this fantastic tool for helping us as a society process what we're going through individually and also collectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they've superhero like comics in general have just kind of been um, they've gone on a weird journey. They were they were like most media where they were a complete reflection of society. Um, and then just due to like weird circumstances, um, they got kind of like uh, stuck into a specific genre and had to make or break their entire world on that specific genre. And so then they really had to explore that genre, which is what ended up creating um, probably like the restrictions put on comics back in the 60s is really what we can thank for creating the boom of superheroes now um like it's like a weird domino effect of um this one small well not a small decision one large decision that happened back in the 60s uh created a domino effect which really i think gave superhero comics the 
and superhero stories the chance to flourish um, because it was the only media or the only genre comic books were allowed to explore for a long time. And so <clears throat> that made people kind of figure out how do we tell those different kinds of stories? Um, because like really when Superman and, um, and Batman all debuted, they were very vastly different characters from who they are today. They started as very much just like, hey, do you hate seeing bad guys get away with bad stuff? Okay, this guy <laughs> will punch every single one of them for you and not have to deal with any of the consequences because he's either A, invulnerable to everything or B, so rich that it doesn't matter what problems thrown at him, he throws money at it. And they were very much just like um, more, more along the lines of something like um, uh, kind of like the hubba bubba jokes where it wasn't something you'd spend too long. It was like you'd spend five cents at the at the corner store, pick up a story and chuckle at like Superman punching Hitler in the face because that's what you were dealing with. You were fighting in the war. And so you needed something to like make the horrors of war lighten up. And so you didn't mm. want that direct commentary. But then, um, yeah, eventually when comics got restricted and uh, had to introduce Comics Code Authority, they got stuck into superheroes and that's when you really start to see superheroes thrive because that's when we start to introduce like the fantastic four which was the first the first characters that really went like this is a group of superheroes that kind of don't have great superpowers <laughs> and have problems that they need to deal with also they're a family and that was different. That was huge. That was different. And then we bring in the X-Men later on, which brings up this idea of let's have social commentary on the race issues. And as the X-Men have evolved, they've been social commentary for minorities in society always. Um, right. Like they've moved from race, um, the race inequality to uh, like the LGBTQ communities. And now they've come back again and they're really talking about all that stuff and it was because that they were forced into this kind of like little square box that they needed to expand and explore these ideas and they were able to really play around with them i did not know that i didn't realize that there there, there was sort of a regulated industry and in saying you know you're you're not to talk about all these real life people <laughs> and characters and events just stick to the you know to the fantasy stuff but it is interesting how that's shaped um the direction that it's headed in and you can really see that trajectory of how the storytelling and the character building has gotten way more complex like now you look you look at the last i don't know 10 or 20 years of of comics uh, and, and characters and you have bad guys or villains who have this good side and you have these deeply flawed um protagonists as well that they're they're really um, pushing us as audiences to grapple with the non-binary and the um, the messiness of humanity. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Because even like even if you go all the way back to the debut of the X Men, like the X Men was probably one of the biggest um, uh, one of the biggest game changers for comics. If you go all the way back to the X Men, it was kind of the first time that comics really tried to make villains where there was a whole lot of gray because once we introduced in the 70s that Magneto was a Holocaust survivor 
and that his entire journey was not fighting because he's like, man, I need to get money because twirling mustache. And suddenly he became like, no, I saw what happens when people are prejudiced. I saw the horrors humans will do to something they see as different. I'm different in a, like in another kind of way. And I see this happening again. And instead of waiting for them to do the right thing, I am going to force them to do the right thing through strong arm tactics. And there's a big part of that when you're looking at it going like, I kind of don't blame Magneto. Like (laughs) you may not agree with what he's like, the actions that he's taking, but you can agree with him just being like, yeah, no one should ever be like sent into concentration camps. No one should ever be uh, like, there shouldn't be prejudice towards someone because they're different. We're all human. Mm -hmm. And so we can all get behind that. But then when he's like, so I'm going to blow up you before you blow up me, then we got to go like, oh, maybe I'm not quite there. Like, (laughs) Right. But don't you think that the best stories are ones where the quote unquote bad guys uh, or the super Mm -hmm. villains have a relatable aspect to them where you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm at some level sympathetic towards this character. And a protagonist or the the good guys where you see pieces of them that that are flawed, which you also relate to because all of us are like that, that, that the fact that they're imperfect. And so it's interesting going from the Superman of like, you know, totally indestructible, nothing can. And of course, eventually um, there's, you see his storyline start to get more complex too. And of course is the kryptonite and everything. He's not completely, um indestructible mm. or, or impermeable to to a threat but we definitely i think that um part of why it's so interesting to think about the way that comics and superheroes offer us inspiration and some things that we can learn from in our spiritual journeys is that it has gotten so complex like uh this multiverse of madness film uh the doctor strange character the second the second doctor strange movie um, for people that lots of listeners maybe won't have seen it yet, but it just, it really dives deep into this idea that, um, you know, what if there are, what if there's another universe out there, a parallel universe where I exist in that universe as well, but I'm on mm. a completely different path. And it makes you start to to think about deep questions like, well, am I on the right path here in this universe? What am I what, where am I going with my life? And, um, you know, what is my identity? What is my purpose? And if there are, you know, infinite number of other Ben Wilsons and Daniel Schneiders out there living these other different lives, then, oh my goodness, what does that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's so interesting about it for me is that we just don't know. Like for me, this podcast, this is the fifth, our fifth season of Six Ways from Sunday. And what I love about it is that there is no limit to the to the different stories and human spiritual journeys that I can listen to and have guests come on and share their story um, because every one of us is just so unique. And the questions mm-hmm. that we get to explore in these conversations, they just don't have neat, tidy answers. So whether yeah. I'm sitting and talking with Robin, our, our minister, the uh, Bash United Church and Pinocchio United Church, 
we have these incredible conversations where we'll talk for an hour. And at the end of it, it's not like you're like, okay, well, now we sorted that out. We understand the answer. This yeah. Is, this is how everyone should live. I mean, there are there is a lot of um, religious structure out there in the world that tries to offer that to humanity. I mm-hmm. think, you know, if you just follow these steps or this is the this is the answer to your life's purpose. You just need to do yeah. X, Y, and Z. And this is how to live. And I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of that, to be honest, that it's like if anything that's out there that tries to make life seem that simple and, and cut and dry, that this is the right way, this is the path um, I'm leery of. And, and so yep. I, I really like to embrace these conversations where we can explore questions that don't have answers, but I'm really interested in your perspective on it. Like, mm-hmm. I, like Daniel, I'd love to know what you think about this idea of multiverses like do you do you think about like that kind of quantum physics uh when you when you look at some of these stories that that sort of dive into some of that stuff um for like for looking at these stories uh typically no i do think about it on different terms of just like like and i think it's the same way with uh all people like you think back to like mistakes you've made and like things that like looking back with um with the experience that comes with age are the experience that comes with just experience of like something you've learned where looking back I'm like I wish I had done this I wish I had done that if I had done that could I be like this just like in those stories where they explore like um like one of my favorite uh like kind of multiverse stories is not necessarily multiverses coming together it's just an alternate universe is uh called the nail and um uh it's all about just like what happens to superman if there was a nail in the road the day that uh ma and pa kent went to find him like found Hmm. him on the road and so they weren't able to find him because of that nail they got a flat tire and never found him and instead he was raised by the government Um, He was found by the government and raised by them and it changes who he is. And one of the things and I I talked about this, I did a whole talk about this, about specifically Superman, is there's been so many stories about Superman where it's like, what if Superman blank? Like, what if Superman wasn't found by the mom, Pa Kent? What if Superman was found in Soviet Russia during the Cold War? What if Superman was raised on a different planet? And Hmm. What I love about those stories is <clears throat> it always pretty much comes to the same conclusion that Superman wouldn't end up who he is without those influences that he had, like without having two loving parents that took care of him and accepted him for who he was and never tried to make him anything better than anyone else. Um, and in the stories, typically Superman is able to be pulled back to somewhat of who he is because there's a core to who we are in like, it's kind of speaking to that idea that there's a core to each of us. Um, Like deep down inside, there's some, some sort of cores that we have, no matter what our influences are of like, you can be influenced with the right influences. And so I like that about um, those kind of stories of just showing like how drastically different things can be. And I actually heard a really good quote the other day um, that I think is really useful in this quote saying, 
Um, but either way, because um, I there's many mistakes I've made. Um, and especially as an artist, there's so many mistakes I've made where like I'm 35 and I have basically no savings because I've spent my life chasing this dream. And there's big parts of me, especially right now, while I'm preparing to get married and preparing to have a kid where it's just like, I should have just worked on, like, I should have buckled down, got a, like a regular nine to five job and built up savings. So I could have a home. I like right now I could have those savings for when that kid comes along. But then that brings up the questions. Would I be where I am at with my artwork? If I hadn't dedicated all this time, like, would I have had the opportunity to teach all the children that I've taught for the past nine years in my like comic camps, would I have had this big influence, um, which is super important to me, this influence on all of these young artists as they're going forward and helping them to become who they are, would I have had the opportunities I currently have as an artist because I stuck with it? And <clears throat> you can sit and think about that so much and it can like freeze you, especially if you have like anxiety about stuff of just knowing did I make the right decision did mm -hmm. like am I on the right path like you were saying and the thing I heard the other day which is so good is you the only question you ever really need to answer in life and have a definitive answer for is am I okay with this like am I okay with the outcome of knowing no matter what decision I make am I going to be okay with the consequences like, and so am I okay with where I'm at? Yeah, I'm okay with where I'm at. Could things have been better? Maybe, but I don't know. And I'll never know. Yeah. And it could be so much worse. Too, yeah, right? exactly. We don't, we <laughs> yeah. never know. And so you just have to like constantly ask yourself, like, am I okay with where I'm at right now or where I could be by work? And yeah, yeah it's just like, it's interesting to think about all these possibilities and all these things that have shaped you and how small certain things are that have like greatly and significantly shaped you. Like I can think to like a small conversation I had on a bus as a little kid with another kid that's like hugely shaped my life. And I can think of also like things that are just like simple, like me showing up to work early one day before my boss got there, like insanely changed my life. Um, it led to a big epiphany for me in my life because of just events that happened that day. And it's so like all of these small decisions, it's yeah, it just makes you wonder like, what if I was late today? Or what if I was like, what if I was five minutes later? Or what if I was five minutes earlier? Would it have helped? Would it have changed things? Um, yeah, we so often, I think it's always important to ask that, are, am I okay with this? Yeah, I like that way of framing it. And we often do that with uh, tragedies, right? Like if something terrible yeah. happens, we th we'll think, oh, if we had just, like, so Sarah and I were, my business partner, your, your cousin Sarah, um, yeah. we were traveling to do some filming and we missed our flight. And yeah. I, it was such a frustrating experience because... <laughs> I mean, I, I had to check my privilege and realize that like, you know, I'm pretty accustomed to things just always going my way and being pretty smooth and, you know, being able to maybe talk your way into like, oh, can you, can you hold the plane? We're, we're coming. And yeah. it's kind of just working out. Usually I've never had that experience where you're literally running down, you know, the terminal building towards the gate and they were just, it was like straight out of a movie, to be honest. 
Anyway, we missed this flight. And for the, for the rest of the entire day, my head was filled with like, well, if we had just driven a little bit faster, if they, yeah. if we had just gone into a different line at the mm-hmm. security where we got this worker instead of that staff person who was like being super, super slow and detailed and ran our bags through three different times and took everything apart. And, you know, other times you go through security and it's a breeze and it takes two minutes and, and we would have made the flight if this, had, if this had happened differently, or if just that had happened slightly differently. We, when you, when something happens that could have been so different, if just one little thing was shifted, it's so hard to not let your it's so easy for your brain to go down that path. Right. And we've all had like injuries or uh, we've lost someone or there's been a death or there's been um, just something tragic or unfortunate happen where it's hard to, to stop yourself from from getting trapped in that cycle of what if, what if, what if, and zoomed out to a larger scale for your whole life and for the trajectory Mm -hmm. of your life or your career or your, financial situation or whatever big thing it is that we're wishing was different it's like well if if this had just happened or if that had just happened but I'm curious for for you Daniel like I know I one example from your life a story that I remember is you had a a horrible um head injury Mm -hmm. where you can tell the story if you're comfortable excuse me where just like that something slipped I think you were under working on a vehicle in a in a mechanic shop and uh, a piece of metal hit your head really hard and you were it was you know could have killed you easily um and oh, so yeah. it's, in many ways it's just miraculous that you survived and didn't have pre- permanent um you know brain damage uh sort of thing mm-hmm. but d- does do things like that leave you feeling like okay there's a certain thread through my life that is just anchored in like this is this is going to happen. Like I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a family. And so when, when that, that accident happens and almost takes me out, well, there's something guiding and like, you know, ensuring that certain things, maybe, yeah, the details are flexible, but do you, Mm -hmm. do you, does events like that leave you believing that there is sort of a plan for, for you? Um, I used to, um, there is a big part of me that used to think that there was a plan, um, and that like things happen for a reason and like this happens for a reason and that happens for a reason. And over time I've let go of that idea because to me that, um, there's like a certain amount of, again, privilege that comes into that in like it, like we're all the, the main character of our own story. Um, like in all of our minds, we're the main character. And so when we're saying like, oh, this happened for a reason. Um, and like, there's a plan in place and like, there's something guiding me. Um, it's, it's really privileged because you're not taking into account, like, was there a plan for the Holocaust? No, like no one deserved to be in that situation. We didn't, gain anything good from that like there's nothing good that comes out of tragedies like that like the holocaust is not something we needed in the world we didn't need slavery we didn't need like shootings mass shootings stuff like that and so i've kind of given up on thinking that there's some something guiding and planning um but to me what where it shifted now is instead of 
there's some sort of plan is, <clears throat> is taking uh, opportunities like that and seeing them not as a tragedy and seeing it as an opportunity. And mm. kind of that same thing of like I was talking about where, which I only just learned this saying, but now thinking on it, I'm like, yeah, I've kind of used this throughout my own life is am I, am I going to be okay? And so at that point, I remember when that accident happened and that was when I was talking earlier about like certain small little things that have like had massive change on your life. That was the day I was late to or early to work. Um, because I was early to work that day, it like through a series of events, it led to that accident. Um, and it was an accident that should have killed me. And if it hadn't had killed me, the doctor said that anyone that's had an accident like I had is either dead or like severely uh, brain damaged, like almost beyond repair. And so the fact that I had none of that um, was just miraculous. Like it was incredibly miraculous. And there, I remember when it happened and when I was finally able to like start telling people about like, hey, I got like, I'm in the hospital. This is pretty big, but I'm going to be okay. Um, before that, we had had uh, a lot of tragedy of losing young people basically almost at the exact age that I had this accident um, in our life. Like a bunch of friends had died. It was like there was probably four or five years where we had lost someone around my age due to a tragic accident in very similar fashions. Um, three of them were also like head injuries and the, the kids had died. And I remember thinking like, I can mope around about that this happened to me. I can be like, why me? Like, why did this happen to me? Why has my like head been just like demolished? And like, now I'm going to be like basically reliant on so many people for however long this is going to take for it to heal. And I'm going to be in this hospital and have to go through like big time surgeries where they had to like cut my head open and like, do all sorts of like repairs and puzzle piece back my skull. And I could think about that, but at the end of the day, it was like, it was a big turning point for me because one of the things was I had always, uh, before that I had always been, uh, I have a job. Um, so like that one, I was working as a mechanic um, or a mechanics helper. I had worked in like retail. I had worked at rebar factories. I had worked all, all of these jobs going like, I'll work these jobs nine to five. And in my spare time, when I get home, I'll do my artwork. And eventually something will happen. And like, I'll get my lucky break because I'm, you know, I like, there's a plan. Like I, I'm going mm. to get that lucky break. You'll get and, discovered or whatever. Yeah. yeah I'm going to get discovered. And like, I'm, uh, and it was that kind of like main character privilege of just like, this has to happen for me because I have it in my head that I'm going to make it big as an artist. And when that had happened, I realized, you know, like, I'm never going to, that, that discovery is never going to happen if I sit back and wait for it. Mm. And I'm never going to be able to make a full-time uh, go at being an artist if I sit back and wait for someone to give me mm. that money and that opportunity just on a chance. So that was when I decided that, you know, I'm going to go full-time into this, like, this creative industry. And I'll pick up jobs when I need to, like if I'm 
down on like if things have been bad or tough, then I'll pick up work. Um, but as soon as I'm comfortable, I go back to the art. And the first thing I did was I had always written these like little, uh, I called them Dan journals that I had written for myself um, and just wrote and sent out to family and friends as jokes about like whatever had happened to me that day. And people like, really love them. The and, type of stuff, hey? Like if, yeah. day, of, day in the life, yeah. Yeah, and um, and people really, well, at least the small group of people I was sharing them with really love them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I want to make sure that people are okay and don't um, don't worry and don't fear when they hear about my accident. And so what I did is I wrote a Dan journal about my accident. And I wrote this humorous story about how I got almost killed. And <laughs> my and then I kept writing, I think I did seven parts of it, which was just like the day of the accident. And then all of like the different weeks after the accident, me in the hospital. And I just wrote these humorous stories and I had so many and I made them public and I got um, like I shared them to all of family and friends and they shared them around and I got so much positive feedback on them and lots of people that were like, Oh, it's really amused. Like this story is really great. And it's kind of cool that you based it on you. And like, I like, what made you think to do this story? And I'd have to be like, this is what's happening to me right now. <laughs> like I'm literally yeah. sitting in the hospital typing this to you. And, and it was just like such a eye opening moment. It's just like, yeah, if I just sit and wait, for something to enact their plan and make things happen it's not going to happen i need to move like i need to make things happen there's i have agency in my own life and so to make these opportunities i need to go out and get them i need to go out and create them i need to like push my way into those opportunities and so that's why i've kind of I've kind of given up on this idea of a plan or a guide because it's just, to me, it's unfair to those that there was no plan. It was just sad tragedy. And Mm. that's not, that's not a plan for anyone. Like no one needs to be the side character in someone else's story um, where like a tragedy happens and it helps this other person. No one needs to be that person. No one is planned to be, like a nameless red shirt like on star trek where they are just there to die that's not anyone's <laughs> story that's not no. anyone's destiny that's not anyone's plan um and so that's why i've switched from there's a plan to like whatever i've been dealt i need to make it okay yeah i love that dan and what i love about the way you tell that story and your sort of your shift in perspective on life through all of that is that regardless of whichever of those realities or, or worldviews might be true that i mean you could you could you could say there there's either either everything i think didn't isn't there an einstein quote that it says either either everything is a miracle or nothing mm-hmm. is <laughs> yeah and so yeah. Si- similarly you could say either either everything every little thing is exactly meant to be or it's just all mm-hmm. chaos and we, we should all just go, you know, toward adopt ni- a nihilistic view of the world. And nothing is, mm-hmm. um, nothing is meaningful at all until you attribute it meaning as a human meaning making machine. And uh, um, I was just at the dinosaur museum with Grayson, our youngest for his grade two field trip. And I'm mm-hmm. reading about all these mass extinction events 400 million years ago and how 
every living thing on the on the the planet you know 97% of species were wiped out in 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 the course of you know just one year or something or um and it just it makes you realize how infinitesimally small and insignificant this person this one human being this one advanced primate mammal body that i'm walking around in and talking out of um mm-hmm. the, i'm just a speck like or you look at this the story of the pale blue dot how our our whole planet is just this one little dust moat in the universe yep. and it's so insignificant so you can either believe that nothing is meaningful or that mm-hmm. everything is on a predetermined scripted trajectory and that god or an invisible hand or the universe is is guiding everything to be exactly as it is i mean those are sort of the polar opposites of worldviews and then i think there's lots of room in between them to to create um our own version of like wrapping our heads around what events mean in our lives Mm -hmm. and i I really appreciate you sharing some Mm -hmm. of your story and how that's created your sense of like, well, I have choice. I have agency. I have, um, I can choose to create the life that I want. And, and that can be true regardless of whether things are quote unquote meant to be or not. You can still say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this into a positive. I'm going to Mm -hmm. put myself out there. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to, um, make this passion of mine, my full-time career i'm going to pour myself into it and and it's it's i think it's clear that when you make that shift like you've done uh great things happen yeah like i sounded very nihilistic when i was saying <laughs> and explaining that but it like it reminds me of um uh I, I can't remember if i saw this as a comic or if this is a story but it's like um, it was a story about a man waiting for God to like give him the opportunity of like, God will provide me with food. And it's a man sitting there like, God will provide me with food. And someone comes along and is like, Hey, I have, I, I bake too much bread. Would you like some bread? And he goes, no, God will provide me food. And like, God, God has a plan. And then another man comes along. I caught too many fish. Do you, would you like one of my extra fish? And he, nope, God will provide me like God will provide me. And, more people keep coming and then eventually he dies and goes to heaven and he's god why didn't you provide me and he's like i sent you like five different things like why didn't you take anything (laughs) and it's like that kind of idea it's just like wherever whatever your beliefs are um like whatever spiritual thing you believe in uh, whether it is something or nothing it's like even if there is someone that is guiding you as like if you believe that there is a god guiding you there or if there is a plan for you like it's still up to you to make you have the agency and the choice and Mm -hmm. so you need to make those opportunities and you need to make those choices. you can't just sit back and know that everything is going to be okay right if i do nothing it's it's up to you to make something it's up to you to make the world a better place it's up to you to make your life better um, like this is all your agency. Yeah, love that. So I've got to end with one uh, last question for you, Daniel. And that yeah. is, um, I'm sure you've been asked this many times. Who mm-hmm. is your favorite superhero or comic book or movie character? And why? Uh, Shazam. 
Um, so Shazam is my favorite comic book character for multiple reasons, but the biggest reason why is Shazam is everything that I got into comics for and everything I fell in love with superhero comics for. Um, I'm a very glass half full kind of person and I love aspirational characters, characters I can look up to because um, I want to be a better person. And so I like these characters that give me something to strive for. And so Shazam being a kid and a kid who has like kids have almost no power in the world it feels like when we're a kid yeah and for him to be a kid who can say a magic word and go from this powerless kid to the most powerful the mightiest mortal in the world is incredible and then the fact that he got that because he was such a good well and this is going back to the original version of uh original version of shazam they've modernized him so he's a bit more of a flawed character but the original billy batson was just such a good, pure-hearted kid that he was gifted these powers. He was mm. so he was so selfless and so much for everyone else while having nothing that he was gifted this power. And so that was really cool to me. Like just this idea that like if you are like if you try and you try to be a good person, good things can happen and you can change people's lives. And then also the fact that he battles like really cool like um dangerous like serious characters like black adam who bring up these interesting like moral conundrums and ideas um and is a very like gray character when it comes to morality but then also fights alligator gangsters and <laughs> little tiny worms that have mind control powers with little voice boxes because his voice is so tiny that no one can hear him like he goes from both like super serious to super silly so it was like everything i liked about comics is rolled into shazam and so that's that was why he's or that is why he is my favorite character that's awesome i can see some parallels between you and your life and personality and this character and, and i'm not super familiar with shazam but um man it's that's awesome there there are like i said earlier there are so many comic stories and superheroes out there and it is there is no limit to it right it's uh, it's yep. just is as, as as limitless as our imaginations as creators and as storytellers so much mm -hmm. like how a lot of superheroes had their origin story by you know falling into a tank of chemicals or getting bitten by a spider there's it's yep. it's so um i'm smiling because it, there's this parallel for you and your story where you had this accident, you had this head injury and it was instrumental in altering the course of your life and your career and into um, your superpower as I, when I was introducing you saying, you know, your, your superhero uh, ability um, is your skill set as an artist and as a storyteller. And maybe you, it wouldn't be the same if you hadn't had that accident. And so um, it's been really mm -hmm. cool hearing a little bit, bit of your origin story as a superhero uh hearing about your passion for superheroes and comics and and that whole world and um i just like i said i love exploring these deep existential questions with someone who's really passionate so thank you daniel for spending some time with us and uh well, thanks for um, having me ben yeah this, this was lots of fun um, mm -hmm. For our listeners, um, where would be a place that they could check out some of your work and see some of your artwork? 
Oh, uh, probably the best place to see my artwork would be um, if you just want to see my artwork on Instagram, I'm at smashed head. On Twitter, I'm at smashed underscore head. Um, uh, and it's smashed S M A S H E D. Um, and then uh, if you go to warhammercommunity.com slash reforged, you can read one of my comics. Um, oh, that's awesome. So I do a comic on there. Cool. Well, I definitely encourage everyone listening to check some of that out. Um, maybe get in touch with Daniel if you're ever interested in commissioning uh, a piece of comic art. And Daniel, I wish you just all the success in the world moving forward in your career and just in your life and uh, towards all of the goals that you talked about and, and have for your future. Um, and I, got, I just have so much uh, admiration and respect for you as a human being. So thank you for, for spending some time with me again today and for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Ben. It was a super pleasure to be here. Awesome. So uh, thank you listeners for joining us today. Uh, and learning a bit about Daniel. And if you're interested in hearing other amazing stories of human spirituality, we've got uh, about 120 or so episodes of this podcast. This is our fifth season. Uh, all of those archived episodes can be found uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast just by subscribing to Six Ways from Sunday. And you can also find them on our website, which is risingspiritministry.com. And we'll have a new episode out every second Friday. So stay tuned and come back for more. Until next time, take care and be well.